Would you open your Bibles uh, to the book of Galatians? Um, chapter one. We're only uh, 10 verses into Galatians. <laughs> and I really felt like the Lord said, hey, camp on this one. Like it's like a red flag. Ah, camp on this. Camping out. No, it's all right. <laughs> He's got the Holy Ghost. She, um, and if anybody has the interpretation for that, feel free to. Nobody, none of you grew up doing that? No. You Baptists like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Galatians 1, 10, Paul says, for I do now, uh, look, by the way, I'm using my mama's King James. I have finally, Tim Bassanio agreed that I can't see my Bible. So I brought my mama's out because I could actually see it. She's in heaven and she don't need it, but I, um, I was looking at my little, that's right, it's funny. I was looking at my little Bible this morning going, I can't, my arms aren't long enough, I can't hold it out far enough. For, so I do now persuade, verse 10, men or God? Do I now, he's asking a question, am I trying to persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men, question mark? For if I yet, and if you've got another version besides King James, that yet might actually say still. Do I still, am I still pleased men? If that's what I'm still doing is pleasing men then I should not be the servant of Christ. I cannot be a servant of Christ if I'm after pleasing men. As I've really dug into this, and maybe this is me preaching to myself, so I'll take really good notes, and then I'll let you know when I'm done, but I have a feeling that if I've struggled with this in my life, maybe somebody here has as well. And what I see here in what Paul is saying is there's this juxtaposition of whether if I'm trying to be a man pleaser, I really can't serve Christ in the way that I should or that I could. Because there's this abundant life that he promised me. But if I'm spending my life like I did, like I was a little kid, the fat kid in gym class, just pick me, pick me, pick me, trying to make everybody happy, because that's who I was when I was a little guy. I find myself as I get older realizing I can't please everybody. And when I'm trying to please everybody, I ain't going to please anybody. And as always is the case, there's things inside of us where I really believe that the Lord has done good, is a good thing, it's a good uh, need inside of us that just becomes, well, an addiction for lack of a better word. This thing that started out good, when Israel went into Egypt, when Jacob was in Egypt and Joseph saved him for the first couple hundred years at least, it was a good thing. It was great. They were provided for, they were protected, they were fed, but 400 years in, it went from being a good thing to being bondage and slavery. And I wanna start out by saying that I believe that in our idea of what a, being a people pleaser is, a, the disease to please, the approval-aholic, that I am a recovering one. I wish we had chips for that. Do they have those for approval-aholics? We do a lot of work with Place of Hope and addiction recovery, and I do not mean to make light of this, but I'm telling you that this addiction inside of a human is one of the greatest killers of our joy, period. Because I'm doing something that even Jesus couldn't do, or attempting to do, that he couldn't do, which is make everybody happy. And at the core of it, there's this good need inside of us that says I really want to please other people. That's not a bad goal to aspire to, those that have no concern about what others think or feel or whatever, that's called a sociopath, right? I don't want to be a sociopath. Inside of me is this 
need to do that that I think is God honoring that is God ordained and that if we let it go too far, it becomes harmful. And I guess that's, if you're looking for the definition, the line that you have crossed is that when my serving somebody else, my trying to make them happy brings harm to myself, I've crossed the line at that point. If I'm living my life resenting others, I've crossed the line into the I'm in the addiction to please thing. If I spend my life literally neglecting my own family because I'm trying to make sure everybody else is happy, I've, I've crossed the line. And the cure for it really is as simply as anything else in our life. I'm so glad that when Mark spoke about this three weeks ago now, and for those of you that are uh, waiting for the podcast, I've actually found that kind of entertaining. I keep getting all these emails. Mark, by the way, left the country immediately, so we haven't had a chance to get uh, that loaded up yet. We want to make sure that it, you know, uh, it keeps him from causing an uproar in Saudi Arabia. Um, but when he spoke, and when, if you haven't heard it, we will have it posted, because I, and I want everybody to hear it, because it starts with us understanding who we are in Christ. And if I understand that, and I understand that my confidence comes from that, then it's amazing how all the other stuff just starts to fade away. Because if my goal was to make everybody happy, it's not gonna happen, number one, and it's gonna make me miserable. But if my confidence comes from, from Christ, then when, when I haven't made somebody happy, and for me, as a pastor, let me tell you when that happens. Every night when I shut my laptop lid and there's somebody's email that I didn't get to, whether it's because I'm a bad time manager or because my, I'm overwhelmed with email, whatever, I've displeased somebody, and I want you to know that kills me. But when I go back to my identity in Christ, I say, no, my confidence comes from that. And that means that even if I disappoint somebody, like a legitimate disappointment, that I have the confidence that my, my approval is coming from Jesus and I have the, even the courage to go and apologize because I'm not worried about whether you're gonna hate me now. And if I'm just talking to myself, like I get that, but that's just, you know, a little window into what it, what, like, where the pastor world can get into. And if you don't like that window, look at the window that Paul gives us. If you hold a finger in Galatians and go to Acts chapter 14, I think this is such a beautiful picture. And if, I, if you, even if you've got your magic Bibles, please open up the magic Bible because I want you to, I think that if you see this, there's gonna be a lot of information flying at you today that if you can go home and just pray about it and see what the Lord has for you. But Paul, when he goes to the area of Galatia, he's basically finding now that this church at Galatia, which by the way, Galatia is a region, not a city. So it'd be like the church at Middle Tennessee which would include you know, College Grove, Spring Hill, Thompson Station, Murfreesboro, Franklin. This included Lystra, Laconium. There were all these cities that were the church at Galatia. And what he finds when he gets there, what inspires him to even write the words that he's writing here in verse 10 is because he went there preaching Jesus. He went there preaching Christ, crucified, resurrected, nothing else. That's what salvation is. And Behind him comes the cleanup crew going, hey, congratulations, you guys are saved? That's awesome. Come to our membership class because we want to tell you that, man, it's awesome that you've saved by grace, but we, there's one extra thing that we want to tell you that if you really want to be a Christian that you need to do. It involves a pair of scissors and you biting down on a bullet. Circumcision. Imagine that membership. I mean, your church wouldn't grow at all if that's like, well, I gotta do that? I am so going down the street. 
But these Jewish people, they were saying, and we could say, and it is kind of, to us in retrospect, looks kind of silly. But the implication Paul makes as he unfolds Galatians is it is Jesus, not Jesus plus circumcision, it is not Jesus plus anything. You are saved, you are approved of, you are accepted, you are righteous, and your confidence can come from that. And I wonder if Paul, if this started to unfold in his life, because when he's been, he's writing to the church at Galatia, he's been to this rodeo, trying to make everybody happy, because it says in chapter 14 of verse 11, he has come into the area of Galatia, And it says in verse 11 that when the people saw what Paul had done, they had just done this amazing miracle. God was moving. And it says that they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of the Laconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. They are worshiping him. And let me tell you, if you have had any experience with what fame and Christianity can do to you, and we live in a city that's full of that, This is why Paul would reject. Paul didn't say, that's awesome. Buy my book, sign up for my mailing list, and we're going to take an offering now. He didn't do any of that. He just said, it says they tore their clothes and said, no, no, we are not gods. We are just like you. He rejected their worship. But that's in the morning. So 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, they're like, rah, rah, Paul is God. Now turn the page if it's on the next page for you, and look what happens by the time the evening, before the sun has set. The same group, it says in verse 19, and there came thither, how's that for King James from Mama's Bible? There came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. In the morning they're worshiping him and by night they're killing him. And if you've been around life, if you've been around even America, you know we love nothing more than to build a celebrity up and tear him down. You know that we love nothing more than to build a pastor up and tear him down. And if our goal is to please people on a daily basis, again, the, the addiction portion of it, where it is about me doing everything I can to the point where I'm bringing harm to myself and to my own family just to make sure everybody's happy, They're gonna praise you in the morning and tear you down at night. That's just the way it goes. Because we're all flawed humans, we all. Somebody told me once that the worst place you could stand when you're playing tennis is in the middle. Because that's where the ball bounces. Taking a position front or back is important because it allows us to get in the game of what God is doing. And I'm saying where we are right now, I'm taking the position that Jesus is my confidence. He is the confidence of Conduit Church. If we didn't feed a single child in Haiti, he would love us just the same. If we didn't go on another mission trip, he would say, I still love you and I still accept you. But because of that, I'm like, I'm so blown away by that kind of a love. Send me to Haiti tomorrow. Send me to Conduit every Sunday to bring the good news of Jesus because he's accepted me and loved me the way I am. And I can say that in conversations when doctrine is coming up, when maybe there's somebody that says something that I, like, because we saw that when Paul comes here, Peter is the first guy in Galatia that welcomes him in. And who's the first guy that Paul's got to get in his face? Peter. 
Because it was Peter that was bringing in this false doctrine that Jesus plus something else is how you are now accepted. That my confidence isn't in Jesus, my confidence is in what I'm doing for Jesus. And I gotta tell you, I love the Lord so much because I lived a lot of my life thinking my confidence came from how well I was gonna do it. That I could look you in the eye based upon how well I was doing with the Lord. Unfortunately, I didn't do very well with the Lord. I mean, there were days, right? Aren't there days? I'm nailing this one. Hashtag winning for Jesus. <laughs> and then there are days that I just didn't want to, there wasn't an Instagram. I don't know if you guys know this if you're a teenager, but there was a time before we could actually share our pictures with everybody. We had to like print them off and take them to, put them in a book. <laughs> but had there been Instagram, I wouldn't have probably, I wouldn't have hashtagged that one those days, you know what I mean? And when I look at what Paul was saying here back in Galatians, if you hold your finger there, he's saying that, verse 10, am I trying to persuade men? Or do I speak, uh, or, or do I, I'm sorry, verse 10, do I please, do I persuade men? or God? Do I seek to please men? For if yet I, yet, if I still pleased men, I, I can't be the servant of Christ. And that sounds like it's a zero sum game and it's kinda because it is. And not in a harsh works kind of way, it's just that pleasing Christ just means I'm believing what he said. I'm standing approved. That's pleasing to God, me just believing on him. That's a whole lot easier than trying to please somebody who's a moving target. And knowing that there's good days and there's bad days with it. The Bible would go on to say in Proverbs 29, 25 that that approval, that addiction to approve, that it is a trap. It's a trap and what is, if you're a kid, help me out here. What is a trap? If you're in a trap, what can you not do? Any kid, just yell out. What, I'm trapped. What can I not do? Move. I'm stuck. And that addiction to pleasing other people, that addiction to approval, that's what it does, really. It traps us. And I say that with first-hand knowledge, that it traps us into maybe a religious setting that we stayed a little longer than we should have because we just didn't want to make anybody mad, and then what we've done is injured ourselves even further. Because let me tell you, the fuel of religion is the desire to please people. It keeps religion alive because religion isn't about pleasing God, it's about pleasing man. And many of us, probably even in this room, if we were to take a poll, have been in a maybe even a church experience where you walked away wounded and you walked away hurt. And maybe it was an abusive situation. But didn't maybe you, maybe like me, stay a little longer than we should have because we didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings? Because I didn't want to speak up because I, I mean, I didn't want to rock the boat. So we stayed a little too long, hurt a little bit longer when Jesus said, you know, came to bring you freedom. 
And I could use lots of examples, but I just feel like that that religious one is so important because look, even at conduit, we are not immune from this. We could fall right into the same trap of trying to please each other, and let me tell you how that goes. Every week we run our mouths about who went overseas this week. And maybe you walk away feeling less than the Lord that has you to be because you aren't going. Maybe you feel like, I can't even really be around there because I feel less than them because they're going and I'm not. Or because, see what I'm saying? A religion could unfold right here without us even knowing it because you feel like a bondage because I'm not as good as them. And I want to offer you this morning the freedom to not go. Because this freedom that he promises is really simple. The promise that he gave us was crystal clear. As a disciple, my only job is to, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What would you have me to do today? Some of you, he's gonna say, yeah, go to Guatemala. Some of you, he's gonna say, hey, sit still. Because maybe you sitting still is Jesus making, asking, inviting you to sit still so that you can know that he loves you even if you're not going. That he didn't love you based upon your performance, but upon you. I mean, sit in that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Let it, that he didn't love you more because you went. He didn't love you less because you didn't. He just loves you because of you. And again, some of you, when, you that, when you're through that moment, you've walked to the other side and wow, I, this is so mind-blowing for me that now I want to go. I want to tell everybody this awesome news. And let me tell you, in Haiti right now, there are people who need to know that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation because religion sneaks in there just like it sneaks in here. It might look a little different, they might dance a little louder, but the, the religion is there, and they, there's a need for that. But let me tell you, the need is, was there before you knew Jesus, and it'll be there long after. It's really about, can you know that God loves you just the way you are, whether or not you do anything for him? Think about this. Jesus was on the earth for how long before he performed his first miracle? 30 years. How many sick people did he walk by? He didn't move until the Father said to move. If Jesus waited 30 years, maybe, he, maybe that's you. Or maybe you've, maybe you've been on the other side of it. It is time to move, and you just haven't moved because you haven't obeyed the Lord yet. That's, what does this have to do with people pleasing? Because if I put myself in a position to please people, I'm not moving based upon what the Spirit is saying. I'm moving on what I perceive someone else is saying. And that's religion, and it is damnable, and it will make you miserable and it will ruin your life. <laughs> the abundant life that Jesus promised can only be realized when I'm living for him and not for you. And the trap, it's not, I don't think, a one and done thing, because go back to Acts with me and see what Paul did. If you go to chapter two of Galatians, it actually says that he, it, uh, that he gets to the city and that Titus wasn't circumcised because that's not what we're doing because now it's Jesus plus nothing. You know, he is speaking very, very forcefully about this. In fact, he says, I'm gonna get into Peter's face, man. Peter was pushing this stuff on him. 
But Paul, even Paul, in chapter 16, verse 3, is talking about Timothy, and they're heading on to a different city, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. And in him would Paul have to go forth with him, this is talking about Timothy, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews were there in those quarters. Chapter 14, Paul says that it's Jesus plus nothing. In Galatians chapter one, Jesus plus nothing. And by chapter 15, they're literally, they call, they're literally, they call a council together at Jerusalem, all of the big wigs. Like if the big wig guys, the leaders, they come together and they say, this is this big thing. The Jews say we have to be circumcised. The Gentiles say we don't. What is it? They say they make this general established rule that it is not about Jesus plus anything, that circumcision is not required for salvation. And in chapter 16, Paul circumcised Timothy. Theologians have lots of ideas about why that happened, but I wonder Maybe Paul, just like you and just like I, learned that it's a daily fight, a daily reminder. And that's a pretty expensive lesson for Timothy. But this week, as we go, I want you to really pray about where's the Lord speaking to you where are you right now in your people pleasing life and if you have look if you've conquered this man congratulations or maybe some of you are sitting in the tension of but I have to serve Christ sacrificially and yet I don't want to be a doormat where's the distinction between those two how do I love my life my wife like Christ loved the church how do I love Shannon like that and not be a pansy. Just get whatever you want to. Whatever. You want. Where's there's this in between? There's this thing. How do I do that? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But for today, don't let your desire to please God and please man get muddled up. Don't let it rob your purpose, because it will. Peter's purpose was very simple. He was the, Peter was the guy that Jesus appeared to in a dream and said, eat all the bacon you want. That's my paraphrase, but I feel like it's pretty close. Eat bacon, and so this is, he's the guy that's been offered to bring this freedom to the Jewish people, and what's he doing in Galatians? He's screwing up his purpose. Dude, there's bacon on the line, and he says, I'm not gonna eat that when the Jews are around because I don't wanna offend them, I don't wanna. That's a pretty big desire to please people if you pass on bacon. It crushes your purpose. The Bible does not say, I know the plans that your mama has for you. Plans to prosper you. And some of us are 50, you know, 40, 50 years old trying to please our daddy that we can't make happy. Don't let your desire to please somebody else get in with, and crush the purpose that God has in you. Don't let it crush your witness. Don't let it crush your relationships in a marriage situation, your ability to communicate with each other is dependent on you understanding your identity in Christ. Because then if my wife rises up on me, and I don't know, does your wife ever rise up on you? Or maybe you rise up on her? I don't even have to go into that insecure mode and think, oh, I don't know, because I can stand in the identity that I have in Christ. 
And you might be thinking, Darren, that sounds great and it's super ethereal on this macro level, but I, look, we fought all the way to church. And you wouldn't be alone if that were you. But what if you believed what Jesus really said about you? If you really believe that you're accepted by him and loved by him and perfectly forgiven, isn't there a confidence that rises up and allows you not to have to rise up at your spouse? It's all stuff we're talking about next week, but for this week. As our worshipers are coming back, my question to you this morning, where are you? Find just one area in your life that you can say, you know what, I am over the line here. I am running around trying to make this person happy and they just, I can't. Look on your calendar. Maybe that's your spiritual exercise. What's on there that you need to cut away so that you're not neglecting your own family? What is it that you said yes to last week that you probably should say no to this week? And on the religion side, if you've experienced that in a church world, understand that it wasn't Jesus that hurt you, it was man. And until I believe I even understand my own complicitness in that, that I put that person on a pedestal that they shouldn't have been at. Then I might stay trapped there. It's a lot easier to forgive, too, when I understand it's my identity in Christ, that the same sins that Jesus died for for me, he died for in the person that hurt me. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. This extends into every reach and every inch of our lives. If we don't understand this, Father, would you give us wisdom this morning and understanding and direction and that Lord I stand here accepted by you we all do and with that kind of a confidence as a child of you Lord as a child of the King Father there are things I need to say no to this week, I can do so with confidence, knowing that it's not about, even if, even if they don't like me, I, I understand that it wasn't about them anyway, it's about you. Lord, would you give us that kind of wisdom? And Lord, in addition, would you give us the courage? The courage to say no where we need to say no and say yes where we need to say yes. You promised the new covenant wasn't just a split in the book, it's you would write your will on our hearts and on our minds. That's the promise, that's the new covenant. And might we today live and walk in that? Perfectly loved, perfectly accepted as children of you. Wow. It's in your name that I would pray that. It's in the nature of who you are. You're good, you're righteous. You are perfect. You are holy. In that nature that becomes my nature, it's in your nature that I pray.